welcome to episode 393 of Retro Encounter, uh, the podcast of many topics for RPG fans. I'm a little bit out of it this morning because I was up very late last night finishing this game. This is part two of our Bloodborne episodes. I'm Mike Solosi. I'm doing this all out of order today, but let's just introduce the panel. It's the same as last week, starting with Alex Frandeshek. Hello. Gio Castillo. Hello. And Zach Wilkerson. Hello. Zach, Gio, Alex. Um, Bloodborne's great. Can we just open up with that? Um, I had, I, I crammed the last half of this game into the last several days to try and finish it in time for this podcast because I didn't, I didn't want another um, uh, Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter on our hands. So, so I, I did um, uh, binge this a little bit, but it was a fun binge because Bloodborne is just awesome. Uh, uh, I, I did get the most uh, the most basic ending because it was late last night and I wanted to go to sleep, much like the Hunter's exact situation in that moment. But uh, I, 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 this is a game that I am more certain than any other recent Retro Encounter game that I'm going to be replaying this. Um, uh, Zach, you are the person who, in this panel, other than me, who finished it for the first time most recently. Yeah. Um, did you have that same same instinct? Like you beat the game and, and you're like, oh, I immediately <laughs> want to do a new game plus, or I immediately want to do a new game to try a different build. Like, did you have either of those thoughts? I mean, I I, I did do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like I I played through uh, again immediately. Now the real reason I did it was because I was trophy hunting and I wanted to do the chalice dungeons and there's a immensus like that brain that you take out like you literally have to like go down and get an item from it <clears throat> in order to clear all the uh, chalice dungeons and so I did it for that reason um but I, it was also just exciting to go through it and um kind of see it again um and um I don't know feel like I've mastered the levels because uh, it was my first souls game and I didn't really understand going into it how much uh, understanding the level design was uh, a huge part of uh, the games, even more so than some of the earlier ones. And so, yeah, I I, I really enjoyed playing it again, um, even though the reason I played it again wasn't entirely just just because I wanted to play it again. I just wanted to I wanted to clear all the content. So, yeah, yeah. at the risk of sounding a little bit like Mr. Miyagi, I'm uh, really the the old uh, adage that my best friend and I have with Monster Hunter games fits Souls games to a T. It's it's master your weapon, master your opponent, master the environment. And um, I, I think Souls games in general are games of learning. Um, they are challenging, but they uh, but persistence and and being careful and um and paying attention to everything is the key to moving forward and uh part of the fun of again i've only played two souls games demon souls and bloodborne but part of the fun of both of them was discovering new areas all the hidden stuff when the in them like getting used to the timing and spacing of my weapon and learning the tells and behaviors of specific enemies like um Blood, bloodborne's amazing for that but it might also have i i even more so than demon souls i think bloodborne you get more out of it the more you spend time in there and the more you explore because so much of the content is hidden. Um, Alex, did you have a similar experience to Zach and I? Like after you beat the game for the first time uh, some years ago, maybe uh, you, you immediately like thought like, I, I need to go through this again or I need to uh, I need to give this another another go. Yeah, I definitely knew I'd be returning. Uh, I mean, the game was such a, a strong impression on me, and I wanted to try more weapons. The trick weapons in this game are, are so fun to use. And uh, two of the weapons I was most interested in, which I mentioned last episode, the the Rakuyo and the Burial Blade, you don't get them to like the end of your first run, pretty much. So I knew I was going to want to uh, do a new Game Plus run uh, and use those weapons and, and have some more fun with the game. 
um, and also discover more uh, NPC quest lines because that's another way that the games, all these games are so replayable is that chances are, unless you're consulting a guide throughout your playthrough, that you're not going to be uh, following where exactly to go uh, to follow up with all these different NPC quest lines that you might completely miss uh, during your first playthrough. You might not even like notice an NPC as you walk by them because they're blending with the environment or something. So um, yeah, the the whole, whole lore hunting is a, a whole other layer to adding to the replay value of these games. So I actually saw both of those um, regarding the NPC quest lines. I had it both ways. I finished one of them by accident. Like, like basically organically found them, sent them. I'm talking, this is Ariana, the, uh, the sex worker. I found her, I sent her to the chapel. I talked to her the appropriate times. And then I found her rather grisly, uh, conclusion. Um, j- uh, not long before I finished the game, actually. I, I think, I think, I think it, it's either until the, I, I, uh, she doesn't, her quest doesn't resolve. It's either after Mikolash or after, uh, um, or after Margot's wet nurse. I'm not sure which, uh, think it might be mikolash that sounds right to me right but yeah that that is one of the if not the grisliest yeah. NPC well, quest well, we can talk about that one and, and but there's also eileen the crow which i um because i failed during part of it i wasn't allowed to continue with it because uh, part of eileen the crows is um you have to defeat a couple rogue hunters and uh with her in, in sort of tandem battles um and i died against uh oh what's his name uh the, the yellow man um Henrik. Henrik, Henrik, yeah, I, I died. Uh, Henrik killed her, <laughs> so I couldn't continue her quest. Oh no! Um, and then for a while, I thought I'd done something wrong, and I couldn't find her. Uh, but then when I revisited uh, the Henrik, uh, 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 the the lamp where Henrik is, I found her dead body and got the uh, hunter badge off of it. Um, p- part of me wanting to replay this game is the same reason as you, Alex. I want to try other weapons and do some quests I didn't do uh, with Eileen the Crows being uh, form- foremost among them, maybe. Um, but, uh, but, but because I, I, because I was trying to finish last night, there was a couple things I just skipped completely. Um, because I, it's, it's, I, I, for a couple areas like Kanehurst castle castle and the upper cathedral ward, I found them. I explored them, um, quite thoroughly in the case of Kanehurst castle and, and quite, uh, in a struggle in the, <laughs> for the upper cathedral ward, um, and in both cases, I'm like, I'm like, this is cool. There's definitely good stuff hidden at the end here. I don't think I want to spend a lot of time figuring out these bosses because I would like to sleep tonight. So I think I think I ended up um, rolling credits at something like 2 a.m. last night. Please don't tell my parents I did that on a on a uh, on a work night. Uh, I don't live with my folks anymore, but I still care about their opinions and they would not appreciate me staying up until two to finish Bloodborne. Um they don't understand what it means to be a hunter. Uh, yes, <laughs> I, I want, I want, I want uh, the plain doll to tell me I'm a good hunter, not a bad hunter. Um, uh, Geo, uh, you mentioned that Bloodborne is one of your favorite games of all time in the previous episode. Uh, do you, do you remember um, a, a long time ago when you beat this for the first time and what feelings you had? Like, did you know you wanted to uh, replay it immediately or replay it eventually? Yeah, yeah, actually, the first time I played this game, I like I kept I did this for the trophies. Like I kept a a save right before the ending uh, in a hard drive so that I could play the ending four times because like there's four different ending trophies, and so I got the surrender ending first, and then I fought German and the Moon Presence like many many times just to get the 
all the endings. And so I think by the end, I was satisfied, but I think I knew I would come back to it at some point for the DLC. And so that's uh, finally, you know, years later, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And it feels glorious. Like, I just feel affirmed in my decision that this is like the one of the best games I've ever played. <laughs> Oh yeah, I did the same thing with the endings. Um, <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I'm not going through all, all the way through this to do all three endings with the trophies. Screw that. Do you, do you have yeah. to do a, uh, um, a a little bit of finagling to do that? Because I mean, my experience is that really this is a single save file. If you have and... PS Plus, you just have to upload it, and then you can okay. re-download it over and over again. But you can also use like a, as long as it's a large enough uh, flash drive, you can use that as well. Yeah, back it up yeah. that way. I, I I didn't that didn't even occur to me. I was just like, oh, in Souls games, you have one save file, and you and if you uh, if you die, you got to find your body again. Like that. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not surprised that it's possible, but it never really occurred to me that you could, you know, use some trickeration to save reload. Uh, uh, the other game I've been playing for the podcast recently, Dragon Age Origins, has a lot of save reloading that I've been doing. Uh, but uh, but that's not how I handled Bloodborne. But anyway, um. All of us have finished the game. I did not engage in any of the DLC, but I did explore, I think, most of the areas in the game. Um, and I... Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I I fought most of the bosses at least once. I didn't even touch Chalice Dungeons. And uh, uh, listeners, Chalice Dungeons are basically semi-randomized dungeons that yield a lot of good loot and a lot of challenging optional bosses. Um, famously, the, the, the hidden final boss is... Um, is Queen Yarnum at the bottom of uh, mm -hmm. at, at the bottom of the rarest chalice or something? But yeah, but I think to reach her, you have to do chalice dungeons upwards of five times just to unlock the one that contains her. Uh, you have to do I think five different chalice dungeons because like the basically the way chalice dungeons work is that they have um, like there are different cups you need, and then there are also different items you need to like blend to create that chalice dungeon, like within the chalice, I guess. Um, and there are some that you can, if you do New Game Plus, like there's one Chalice Dungeon you can bypass to get there. Um, but you can't get past any of the hardest stuff. Like you still have to do uh, Defiled Amygdala, Defiled uh, Fire Watchdog, whatever, which they all one shot you basically. Um, basically, once you get to Yarnum, it's not that, like get to her, Old Queen Yarnum. She's not too bad. It's some of the bosses leading up to it that are just tuned in a way that I think is absurd and not super fun, but I did it. <laughs> so, I, yeah. I mean uh i i did unlock uh a, the the first chalice which i think mm -hmm. you get from being the witch of hemwick or is it or, or is it uh i think it's uh blood, blood, blood star yeah. beast got, i got think it, right yeah witch of hemwick hemwick unlocks carol runes that's what it is yeah um so yeah so yeah i did beat blood star of beast and get the first chalice and then i did a little bit of online research as to what chalices were and what they do and i and i realized yeah i'm not going to touch these at all um and it was i was only tempted a little bit because it's like uh uh, uh a lot of chatter online said, oh, the best chalices are the best way to farm bloodstone chunks. And I'm like, oh, I do need bloodstone chunks. <laughs> but I, uh, they're, the, they're the best way to get your like um, whatever the uh, augments for your weapons are. You can get the best ones there. And there's a way mm -hmm. you can like get a code online where someone has created a chalice dungeon and you can put it in and you can get like a 27 percent up uh, fizz up or some crazy thing like that. But oh, really, wow. you can't even really. You can't reasonably complete the Chalice Dungeons to, until New Game Plus because you're just the, under underpowered. The best, then. the best blood gem I found was a physical eighteen percent up, and and, mm -hmm. and I, I felt like I had, um, like 
chosen the correct Holy Grail in uh, the Last Crusade or something. It was. I think that's the best one you can get in, the, in like the straight up base game. Yeah, so, I yeah. think I think it was a, either a drop or a found item in uh, in Unseen Village. Mm-hmm. Is There's one there. There's also out. one between all those trancing mushroom headed nightmares and one of the nightmares as well. <laughs> it's like literally sitting in between them. So you instead of running past them, which is what I did the first time, you actually have to really kill them to get it. <laughs> oh, do you mean do you mean the giants that throw rocks at you? No, the winter lanterns that have like these big bulbous sort of heads. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so it, with like a bunch of it, eyes. It, 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 yeah, it, it was the Cthulhu uh, frenzy guys. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I did, right. I, I did um, deal with those a lot. And then the uh, you have to run through a bunch of them to get the only blood rock in the game, mm-hmm. which I which I did also not true. find on my own. That was that was one I had to. I uh, I was near the very end, and I'm like, oh man, I really just want to get my ludwig's holy blade to from plus nine to plus ten. Where's the blood rock? And then I I, I found a guide online. Um. There is uh, mercifully uh, another blood rock you can get in the the DLC. Yes, Ooh. I did. I, I think I also did see mention of that, but also the DLC was not something I was going to do in my uh, short time frame to try and roll credits on this game. But uh, uh, to, to cap off on that, um, because I know New Game Plus is very challenging and there was a lot I didn't do in the first run, I think I'm going to start a new game of Bloodborne eventually, maybe even as, as soon as 2024, because... Um, I, I did not experience everything this game has to offer, but it's so excellent that I think I could get a lot out of just starting a new game and choosing different weapons and a different build, and uh, and, and that would be fun because I, I used the Hunter Axe and Ludwig's Holy Blade almost the entire game. Um, I knew Ludwig's Holy Blade by reputation is considered one of the best beginner weapons, uh, so when I got it and tried it out, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a great beginner weapon. And uh, it sort of became my, um, it replaced the Hunter Axe as my main. Uh, the, those are the two weapons that carried me through both my playthroughs. So there you go. I yeah, like they, they, they carried <laughs> me through my playthrough. But I think next time it's like, ooh, maybe, maybe I'll try the, uh, the the saw blade. That's just the cover weapon. And um, uh, and the uh, the way that Geo talked up the Blades of Mercy in the in um, the previous episode made me very interested in maybe doing a skill build next time. Yeah, let's try, try out the whip, and then you can go uh, yeah. full Castlevania mode. <laughs> yeah, like like I I think that I would like to replay this game from scratch instead of New Game Plus, so I can do different decisions and play through the easier version of the game again. Um, uh, and and just and just do the things I missed because uh, uh, I think we alluded to this maybe last week, maybe not. Um, there is so much hidden stuff in Bloodborne. Um, like I, I think uh. I don't remember exactly if it happened offline or uh, if it happened in the episode proper last time, but I mentioned struggling in old Yarnum and uh, one of you, I think it was maybe Zach mentioned, Oh, you old Yarnum's totally optional. <laughs> and that blew my mind a little bit. I, I thought I was on the critical path of the story. Um, but, but uh, the crazy thing about this game is that a huge amount of chunks of the story are optional. Um, uh, there's a, uh, Oh boy, let's let's see. Uh, the entire um, um, Hemwick Lane section is optional. Uh, the entire Upper Cathedral Yard is optional. Uh, the entire ga- uh, um, gal that where where Dark Beast Parl is that that section of the Unseen Village totally optional. Um, a bunch of stuff that I played as a matter of course because I just thought I was playing the game were in fact optional areas. Um, I spent I spent uh, at least an hour the other day going through Canehurst Castle. Uh, which I, which is a little bit convoluted to unlock, and that one basically I uh, uh, oh boy how do I, I hope this doesn't get into 
too specific. Um, I, I did find the secret entrance to Yoska's clinic, or sorry, Yosefka's clinic. Um, and I got a uh, Kanehurst summons, and I remember remembered Alfred mentioning Kanehurst, so I looked up Kanehurst, and and they're like, oh, secret optional cool area of the game. You need to go to this. You need to go to this place after you beat the Witch of, Hem- of Hemwick with the Kanehurst summons in your hand. So I. Uh, I, I discovered some of the hidden things in Bloodborne organically and some things by doing some online research after seeing something or hearing something. But there's so much hidden stuff in this game that I, I, you really get more out of it the more you play it. Uh, a- anyone who has a thought on this, was there a hidden area of the game that you discovered by accident or maybe are just shocked that it is optional? Yeah, uh, for me it was Ebrietas. Like I just randomly rolled into the window or something, and turns out there's like a whole passageway, like a whole elevator or something down. Yeah, there's like a super, just a a weird uh, eldritch super boss under the church blew my mind, and like yeah, and I proceeded to beat it in a single try, which is like really well, gratifying. Which which boss is this? I'm not. It's Ebrietas. Uh, is it the end of the old Ebriatus. cathedral ward or yeah, the upper yeah, cathedral yeah. ward? <clears throat> oh the uh, yeah. the upper cathedral ward okay yeah all right yeah i i didn't um i definitely did not get there i struggled on the upper cathedral ward i was um dying to surprise brain suckers or an ambush of like three of the highest ranking wolves in the game um a couple of times but then but then and that was one of the moments where i was like man the upper cathedral ward is killing me and then i look online it's like oh it's totally optional all right well screw that then i'm gonna do something else the fact that you got you got it in one try, Geo, because that was like the one boss in the in the main game that I really struggled with, um, and I don't know if it was just like my build or what, but I just kept, um, especially in the second phase, it's like the magic on Ebriatus, um, really kept getting me. I thought it was a really tough fight. It was a good fight, really good fight, but I, I struggled with it a lot. Yeah, it's uh, the the old adage of like just staying on the boss's asshole works a lot. Like you just, yeah. <laughs> just don't let it, don't get in front yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. I think like you, you stay between like that fork and the tail. Apparently, like it's a good way of doing it. But like I, <laughs> I, I didn't, I did not do that. I just kind of kept kept panicking. And I, as I've learned <laughs> after four Souls games, like don't panic, get behind the boss and stay in its face is generally the right move for me. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, my old monster hunter instincts worked for the most part. Just get right up there in their taint, and when you need to heal. Um, escape and find a safe moment to heal. Like like those uh, hold very very well in uh, in um, uh, Souls games. I I beat the uh, um, the Flame Lurker on my first attempt in Demon Souls because uh, I was like I had, I had, I think I I knew that ga- that boss by reputation so much that I uh, it was one it, it, it I, I played it sort of late, uh, but I um, yeah it's, it's just this like yeah uh, uh, roll to the right or to the left if they're attacking from the right. Um, uh don't don't heal when you're in the middle of fighting and stay right up there um in their in their asshole like that that's it, it, it uh, a lot of souls games have uh skills and strategies that transfer but bloodborne uh, one thing i appreciate about the blo- bosses and the blosses and bloodborne whoops <laughs> the, the bosses <laughs> and bloodborne um are there they come in so many shapes and sizes like some of them are completely humanoid and maybe only a little bit larger than the player character and some of them take up entire rooms or, or are the size of a building. You, you, you know, like, like there are bosses that are sort of of a type, like, like, like you know, um, large, medium-sized beasts are, you could say, the Cleric Beast and the Bloodstarred Beast and Vicar Amelia and Dark Beast Parle are all sort of the same kind of boss. But for the most part, there are so many different shapes and sizes of bosses. Um, 
does anyone have a, per- a particular favorite fight uh from the game and, and we can go into the oh. dlc as well because i know I, I know Terrible. i mean uh, uh, uh all of you mentioned that the dlc is really crucial to the to the big picture of bloodborne so I, I, uh, even though i didn't play it we can go into dlc if you like i i mean from the base game uh the a fight that you you didn't get to do um i think uh germon um is is just a fabulous fight and i did it after the dlc so germon was kind of trivialized um if you can parry at that point like you can basically just obliterate garamon and i got him first try um (laughs) but he is um it's just such a a, an epic setting it's an epic fight um like and and just like like sort of seeing him move from that wheelchair to just being this quick hunter i love the hunter fights in this game in general like um the bloody crow of canehurst is which is something you miss slowly because it's at the end of the eileen side quest uh, right, sequence yeah. is <laughs> like if you get hit there you're just gonna die and he uses blood tinge and it's really cool and i didn't really know how to parry it that that fight taught me it wasn't uh gascoigne that taught me to parry it was that fight because if i didn't parry on that fight i just couldn't even hit him um and he kept healing and um yeah i, I really love the hunter fights uh, i know that i don't want to steal what i think is the best hunter fight i'll let someone else talk about that but um uh yeah so there's so many like i I, of the soulsborne games i've played it has the highest quantity of great uh boss fights if you include the dlc i think sekiro has some other really great ones i think the bosses in demon souls and dark souls are just not on par but um yeah anyway i I like a lot of the bosses (laughs) this is better boss fights than demon souls i i i I am not i'm zero percent offended or uh, indignant flame lurker really is the best fight best boss fight in that Fl- game in my opinion Flame-lur- and, it, and it basically Lurker, just feels like a bloodborne fight <laughs> flame lurker Absolutely. and old king allant are cool um yeah. and and i like some of the puzzle fights in bloodborne like the like the blind king where you have to like like he'll attack you if you walk through the puddles or make noise but if you stay but because he's blind if you stay quiet you can just get right behind him like that's a cool idea but none of the bosses in demon souls are as good as the like better half of bosses in bloodborne not even close and and uh you know, and again oh. the, i have limited points of reference from here because again no one's played every single video game but i really got a devil may cry vibe from the hunter fights because devil may cry sometimes you are fighting monsters that take up a whole room but then sometimes it's just you and virgil and and uh and and virgil's faster and cooler than you and you have to just deal with it and <laughs> i gotta um, play those games yeah they're uh amusingly the odd numbered devil may cry games are the best ones so you don't have to you don't have to play all of them just like you could you could even just get away with playing three and five and have an amazing time but uh for, fortunately yeah, your partner true. is as good a resource on devil may cry as i am zach but 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 again i mean if i'm comparing good fights in bloodborne to um to virgil fights in devil may cry three and five that is that, that's the highest praise for me i assure you um uh uh, uh alex do you have a uh a, a favorite boss fight in the game? Uh, yeah, it's probably the one that uh, Zach alluded to. It's uh, Lady Maria and the DLC. Phenomenal fight. Uh, another, oh. hun- another hunter fight uh, that is just uh, so cool. Um, she, she's like just like a very uh, cool, agile hunter with her, her Rakio blades. And then uh, as you progress through the fight, she starts uh, drawing on like blood weaponry. So like her slashes go out like ridiculously far which makes uh them a lot trickier to dodge and like you got to strategize as like how, how close do i want to get to her and uh trying to like get behind her rather than like be in the the hit hurt box of like these massive massive attacks um but just like the dlc in general is just like a treasure trove of good boss fights the 
The boss fight that easily I died to the most in this new game plus run is the first uh, boss in the DLC, Ludwig. The, the um, namesake of the like, weapon I use the most in the game. Yeah, yeah, and and he uses it too in his uh, second phase, which is just madness because it's a uh, it's a lot bigger than uh, it looks too. when a hunter uses beautiful. it. Yeah, Great yeah. cutscene, so epic. Oh. <laughs> But yeah, the the sounds of like Ludwig's shrieks just ringing in my ears. Uh, I'm still feeling it. And, and the um, it's cool that so many bosses in the game, I, and and also so many NPC hunters in the game, just use the same equipment that you can use. Like the uh, like I I think Henrik, the guy that um interrupted my uh, quest line with Eileen the Crow, um, doesn't he just use a uh, doesn't he just use a hunter pistol and a saw blade? It's it's like uh, it, uh, I could be misremembering that, but. That sounds and, right. And then the hunter that you have to fight uh, <clears throat> on the way to Mikolash uses a threaded cane and um, and and then like num- and numbing mist. There are NPC hunters like that one that are like mid bosses scattered throughout the game. Some optional, some basically required. Uh, but they they just use the same tools you do. Like uh, you, I, I'm not sure if this is true, but you probably see most of the weapons that that you use. That you that you can unlock in the game represented in NPC fights, and um, I, I think we, I'm not sure if we mentioned this offline or in the previous episode, uh, but Alex, you mentioned that um, uh, the the burial blade was one of the weapons that you were intending to use, and that's Germán's weapon. So you can't really use it until you get one of the endings and get the uh, and unlock it from after the or unlock it after the Germán fight, and that's just and that's just cool. And because the weapons in Bloodborne are so cool, that's another motivation for me to play the game again. It's like, yeah, man, I want to try that burial blade. Uh, in, in the ending I got, um, in a rather beautifully shot scene, Germán uh, executes you, but then you but then you wake up and you're and you're free of the hunter's dream and free of the blood curse. Uh, but it, it's it was awesome when he um, raised his giant scythe above you, and then you get you hear like the dramatic. Uh, a rather juicy strike sound. Uh, I mean, that's living through your um, your Reaper FF14 fantasies if you use the Burial Blade. Absolutely. The, I, I love that shot, because I got that ending too this time around, and uh, he really just, like, when it zooms out and you see him just, like, hovering over you with the, the Burial Blade rays, like, he, he just, like, looks straight up like the Grim Reaper. It's, it's, it's amazing. But uh, it's also, like, an act of mercy that he's doing for your behalf, so... Uh... Yeah, even though you don't get to fight him in that ending, uh, which is a shame. Uh, I was sad not to experience that fight this time around. Uh, it's a very, very cool ending. And, and weirdly enough, feels like maybe the most positive one in a way, at least for your character. And, and Zach mentioned that fight being one of the best in the game and the setting being cool. I, I know it's a it's not the first time this has been ha- this happened in a, ver- in a video game, but it's very cool that your home base area has been your safe space for the entire game. Um, the final boss is, you know, just a new side door in that area opens and this to, to reveal the, the, the battlefield for the final duel. It's like that. That's just cool. And like when I um when uh, the the plane doll mentioned, oh, Garmon's waiting for you under the great tree. And I'm like, great tree. Where's that? And I sort of walked down to the very starting point of the entire game, the bottom of the hill there. And oh, this gate's open. Oh, this is a huge, beautiful field dominated by a tree. And oh no, here's some here's some columns that I probably would use for cover, <laughs> and it's a, it's a it's a really beautiful battlefield. I'm a little disappointed I didn't even attempt um, the Germán fight, but 
in my defense, it was 2 a.m. And I, uh, I, 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 I felt like, again, like the, my hunter in the game, it was just time to go to sleep. Um, and I should mention, uh, one of my favorite fights in the game was basically my final boss, uh, Mergo's Wet Nurse, is a one of the old one slot slash cosmic horror. Uh, is it, are they great ones or old ones? It's uh, yeah. uh, great ones, and they got the right. old great blood, ones so who have old the blood. Right, there. Right. That's it. <laughs> and 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 I'm I'm also playing Dragon Age Origins right now. And there's an old gods are a thing in that game, so I might have been conflating the two. But uh, Mergo's Wet Nurse is a great one. Um, she has many arms and many swords. Uh, I, I remarkably did beat her first try, even though I did I was near death a couple times. But I think that uh, her movements are so graceful that like it, it's it's the coolest sword swinging in the game when she like mm-hmm. has four limbs swipe at you at once, and then she clones herself, and one will attack, and then the clone will attack from will do the same attack from a different angle out of the mm-hmm. shadows. It's it, it was. It, it was very stressful, but very awesome. Um, probably my favorite fight in the game, even though may, may, that maybe that's extreme recency bias showing up here. You've got like that crib right there too, and yeah, like, oh, and the like, baby crying is yeah. is, is, is like is and the is, music, is, and the music yeah. is super cool, well, or, or lack of music because I think for um they they really uh it's mostly silence in that fight. Well, it's the uh, it's like kind of like a music box type. Mm-hmm. Uh tune like as if you'd like be playing it to a baby so it just adds like a lot more atmosphere to yeah that i fight, think if I you're far away from her there's no music but if you get near her you can hear the music playing because the baby's crib is being protected by uh, by murder yeah. by uh, wet, the wet nurse it's just fascinating too because like the first time i played it like that fight i was just like why is there why is there this baby thing here i don't understand what's going on uh but like after uh, the second time i played it through it i like read like, I, there's like this basically novel called i think it's pale blood or something uh, that like is like a 200 page thing about the lore and just like realizing that this is like a great encapsulation of the fact that these old ones really are just trying to reproduce that is what's happening <laughs> and like that is what has created every problem that exists here um and i think it's um it, it adds a, a layer of uh, like you understand why garamon is like saying like i will let you out of here because you have done so much um as a hunter to try to deal with this problem that we have as hunters and, and kind of knowing the lore of Garamond and how involved he has been and all that stuff is great too let's get into let's get into lore a little bit we don't need to go super deep into this because there are youtube series and entire podcasts just dedicated to the nuances and specificities of the lore in Soulsborne ring games there's so much hidden lore and uh, the lore is extremely cool when it, when uh, you're presented with all of it or large parts of it that we're, we're not we're only going to scratch the surface here but uh my the first thing i want to say is guys it's right there in the title it's bo- they're trying to get things born uh children of of old ones is a recurring theme um uh, the, uh, to unlock the best ending that ends that you have to find our umbilical cords which are which i think are um uh, basically remnants of failed birthings of old gods i mentioned the ariana side quest that i that happened I think what happened is um, you, you, uh, Ariana's a sex worker. She's actually one of the kindest characters in the game. Um, uh, I, I, you can set, choose to send her to the clinic or the church, and I chose her to send her to the church. Um, but because the Odeon Chapel, like Odeon, is an old one, and but he's like an invisible presence style old one, I think by having her just stay in the church, 
she unwittingly became pregnant by Odeon and then uh, gives birth to a child at the end of the game, but she runs over into the sewer area behind Odeon Chapel to, to do it. But the baby comes out as a twisted horror with like tentacles and stuff, because that's just what um, what old ones are. And, and she's just sitting there weeping and laughing in horror. And uh, you 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 put her and the baby out of their misery and, and collect one of the umbilical cords. And and, uh, and this is a little bit grotesque, but you unlock the final ending by eating three umbilical cords and then fighting Germond. Uh, and then which unlocks the second boss after him. And I only know that from reading about it and not because of anything. I, I, I found one umbilical cord uh, much earlier in Yosefka's clinic. And I'm like, umbilical cord? What do you do with this? And then I looked up, looked it up. It's like, oh, man. Okay, these umbilical cords are weirdly important. Uh, but I, I think a lot of the lore is uh, many, many years ago, researchers at uh, – is, is it Bryn House? Oh, my God. I, I – Bergenworth, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get every single name wrong uh, in this episode, and I apologize. Um, researchers at Bergenworth discovered old ones, which are either cosmic beings or extra dimensional beings or dream dream beings, something, some combination of those. Uh, and in Bergenworth, they wanted to study them um, and, uh, and and sort of the, the earliest experiments on old ones and their blood were performed. Um, and then the healing church sprung after that as a group of people worshiping the old ones and their blood and uh but and but from uh blood experiments you have uh, people turning into beasts or people turning into horrors and the old ones motivation because they can't reproduce on their own or with each other are trying to make more old ones by interacting with lesser beings so they uh through experiments or through contact with old ones they're they are attempting to make more old ones by uh, by impregnating or, um, or 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 similar uh, characters in the game, and I think several bosses are either failed attempt at old ones, or people from Bergenworth or the church that have been corrupted by old one blood, or victims of experiments. It, again, I think the entire church began around worshiping old ones and then uh, treating themselves with old one's blood which turned a lot of them like uh, like Vicar Amelia into beasts because Vicar Amelia is like, she's praying at the church and then she has a horrific transformation into a giant werewolf as you approach her. And it's, it's, a, it's like, she's just a devote member of the healing church who had taken old one's blood, but then it was starting to like, it was, I think the beast within her was starting to come out. So she was trying to use prayer and meditation to hold it back, but she can't hold back anymore the moment that you, that you meet her. And, but there's a, uh, and and I'm I'm far oversimplifying it, but and and I think that um uh characters like like uh, the boss, the one reborn, I feel like that's probably a failed birthing attempt at an old one. I and think so it actually is yeah. an old one. Oh, it is an old one. Yeah. All right. Well, man, like the, the, that's boy. The, <laughs> most of the other old ones are more impressive. Let's, let's just say, <laughs> yeah, I, indeed. I, I, I truly felt I I thought the one reborn really was a failed uh uh birthing birthing of an old one. It was but, it was a failed boss design because it was too easy. But yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, ex ex the I think the um the one reborn might have the greatest disparity of how challenging their zone is and how easy the boss is. Yeah. Um, because I, I really did struggle in Unseen Village. It, it felt like a Demon Souls boss on that front to me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the vibe of Demon Souls. They, the, the, <laughs> the zones are much harder than the bosses once you once you're comfortable in the game. But uh, and and so so throughout the game you're fighting uh, cosmic horror old ones and uh, corrupted church monsters and experimental monsters that have their roots in Bergenworth and hunters that have been 
driven mad by by uh, by blood treatment. And I, th I think you enter this in a way to try to use old blood as a cure for a plague, because early on, um, like one of the first NPCs in the game mentions that um, the rumors of the blood in Yarnum as a cure all are what draw hunter many hunters to Yarnum. Um, but some people are there to to protect themselves or exterminate beasts or get to the bottom of what's going on in the church or the or Bergenworth. But then, but then you stumble onto the all this old one stuff, which is like this game really uh, takes a turn from gothic horror to Cthulhu like cosmic horror. While still, but but it's 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 almost like like they want the werewolves of traditional horror and the aliens of cosmic horror, and they sort of all wrap it into one. But it's it, it's an incredible package, and every and uh and and like I, even the, I, I even if you if you find the abandoned old workshop, which I did not find on my own, I I was I actually that was one of the things I I found about I saw mentioned online and then read a guide to how to get there. Like if you go to the abandoned workshop, it's it's a uh, a perfect copy of the hunter's dream. But there's an abandoned doll there, and uh, buried, in, and and a uh, one of the umbilical cords that uh, uh, one of the umbilical cords there, and it, it, uh, just by reading a little bit about that umbilical cord, because there's an in-game description for every major item, I think that like, I I think that Germán built the uh, that doll and eventually the plain doll in the Hunter's Dream in the uh, likeness of the woman he loved. Yeah, the, Maria. But, yeah, Maria. But then she either died or had a failed birthing of an old one, and was and was uh, and was either turned into a monster or driven mad. Uh, I, I'm it, not sure about that part. I mean, I because like she splits from the hunters because they are doing experiments in the fishing village, which is an area in the DLC. Um, and I don't think it's ever clear that she's. A, I, I'm not sure about the umbilical cord. I guess maybe someone else can enlighten me on that part. But I, I we end up taking her out but i think that she split off i don't know i could be wrong about some of that i'm a little fuzzy on some of it <laughs> we're we're not we're not going to really go that deep yeah. because again <laughs> again um there are other podcasts and some rather famous video series that go extremely deep on this lore but we're not we're not going to get near there but there but there's a lot of hidden lore that you can figure out through careful observation or reading item descriptions but also you can kind of just go head empty shoot gun slash sword and 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 play through an amazing video game uh without experiencing a lot of the lore because so much of this game is hidden it blows my mind yeah i mean it's just like it's it's the way it's meant to be played i think and, and encourages the the multiple playthroughs where that that first run you are just kind of going in blind feeling your way through things focusing mo mostly on like how i get past the the action portions of this game uh, and then, obviously, the the big reveal happens after Rom Blood Moon comes up. Uh, Cthulhu beings start appearing everywhere, and uh, you're, you're, I think you're just kind of meant to vibe with it. Uh, kind of just uh, enjoy the aesthetics of the game and the weirdness of it all, and and uh, part, that confusion is like part of the narrative experience. And then uh, you know you you watch some lore videos, you come back in for your new game plus run, and and you try to make sense of everything from there. So. Um, yeah, it's just like another way that the new game plus mechanic is, is yeah. built also into like kind of the, the narrative experience of these games. And too. one thing we didn't actually talk about in the last episode, but it's not like a super major um, game mechanic is insight. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the, you know, it's the, it's the, the shocking second currency of the game. Right. And and Mikolash is uh, basically Rom is the one it takes on too much insight, essentially, is how I think is the way it is. Like Rom takes on so much. That's why they become the eyes. And it's literally like one half of the church was 
trying to get insight and one half of the church is trying to get blood. But that's not really important. The, the thing I think is fascinating, though, is that if you have too much insight in this game early on, um, it can make some bosses more challenging, but also it can start allowing you to see some of the cosmic horror and hear some of the cosmic horror before Rom, before you even defeat Rom, uh, which I think is a really cool mechanic. I didn't get that at all my first time through, but I was kind of aware of it my second time. And I was like, all right, I'm going to build up some insight so I can see some of this stuff. And I thought it was really cool. Yeah, amygdala monsters are only visible to you um, if you have insight above a certain level. And I, but I think maybe some of them appear automatically after the Rom blood fight because the blood moon appears and, and, and insight, you can use it as a currency. I mean, uh, you can, it costs one insight to summon another hunter into your game. Um, whether it's NPC, if, if you're playing online or, uh, another player, if you are playing online. Um, but also, uh, there's an insight shop at the, uh, work at the hunter's dream that I, I didn't even discover until I was more than halfway through the game because it's a little bit, it's a little bit, um, uh, it's a little bit hidden from view, um, and you and that's where you get like Gascoigne set and Henrik set and stuff if you uh, if you have those badges. You, importantly, you can also get uh, blood chunks and blood rocks for for quite a bit oh, of blood insight. Rocks too? But it was basically yes, yeah, sixty yep. insight. I, for I, I burned rocks, sixty in is... my new game plus run to get another blood rock. <laughs> yeah, I, might, I think I finished <laughs> the game with like right around sixty. It was it was either sixty or in the fifties. So. Well, I guess I, I didn't have to go out off the beaten path to get my one blood rock, but whatever. I still got the the Ludwig's Holy Blade plus ten, so I'm not I'm not going to complain. Um, yeah, that just means you'll be able to get more plus yeah. ten. Oh, uh, oh, on oh! Runs. Trust me, I as someone who has played over a thousand hours of Monster Hunter, I understand the appeal of upgrading <laughs> a weapon all the way to the end of the tree. Uh, that that is that is a major motivation for me playing Souls games. Like, oh, I want more weapons, and I want to upgrade them all the way to the end. Like. <laughs> I, I, I again i have extremely fond memories of my uh blessed mirrodan hammer plus five and dragon knight sword plus five <laughs> in demon souls uh that's wild that there is parts of the game hidden by um by a secret currency that you slowly accrue because i think you you from items like uh like um like madman's wisdom and stuff you get one insight but every time you encounter a boss for the first time you get like plus one or two insight and then after you beat a boss for the first time you get another plus one or two insight so it's a it's a currency that is much lower in scale and uh harder and uh harder to spend than than blood but or blood echoes but uh it, it's it's a very cool concept this game is just full of high concept and high execution that it's again now just talking about it i'm thinking of how i would approach a second playthrough it's 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 saw blade and blades of mercy uh, um, it's worth noting you can kind of lose insight pretty easily like if you get hurt by the brain suckers and then they oh do you lose one insight from insight. those guys yeah multiple, I, multiple. Oh, no. I, I think i've lost like 15 insight to those guys they're hard to kill oh, with skill skill weapons i think so yeah, I've, you probably you I, probably got to get a uh, um a visceral hit because I think vis I think viscerals and backstabs scale with skill. So yeah, they're, they're, yeah, and and if you want more consistent damage per hit, strength weapons will do that. But uh, um, high but visceral damage scales with skill. So if you get a lot of criticals or backstabs, uh, skill builds are probably even better for those. And then uh, the arcane stat, I, I I think I forget which my um starting class or starting ba background were, but it, um, that gave me fourteen arcane. Um, arcane is both magic damage and your item drop rate and uh your and the uh stat that scales with special items called hunter tools and when i i unlocked a bunch of hunter tools but couldn't use any of them 
But then I saw towards the end that, oh, they require 15 insight. So I did use one valuable level up to get my insight from 14 to 15 and uh, messed around with like the old hunter's bone. Um, the hunter tools almost turned Bloodborne into a Zelda game where like the, the items and artifacts you collect are very powerful parts of your build in their own right. Like there's arcane weapons that I, I probably still had too low arcane to use, but the, uh, the old hunter's bone turns your role into a faster semi teleport role. That's kind of awesome, but it uses four bullets for every role. <laughs> and, uh, and, and like, like you can, a spell casting builds will revolve around, um, um arcane and hunter tools and, uh, and using elemental gems on your weapons. Uh, but then you, the blood tinge stat is blood damage, which is, I think a couple hunter tools plus like, uh, Plus maybe one or two trick weapons, but all of your guns uh, use Blood Tinge as their sort of main stat. So if you want a gunner build, you need to do Blood Tinge. But I, uh, I had pitifully low Blood Tinge the entire game. I only used guns for uh, for countering. So for uh, by by the mid game, I just had my hunter pistol and my hunter's torch, and I I actually used the torch quite often if I was exploring a new area just so I could see things better. <laughs> This is the most use I've ever I've gotten out of a a regular ass torch in a video game in a long time. Yeah, I uh, I, I took on blood tinge as like a, a secondary um, skill this time around, and uh, I didn't use it like I didn't rely on it too much for damage. It was nice to have like a bit of damage I could do for a distance, but uh, my my favorite use of the like I, I use the Evelyn also, which is a, a really cool gun. It's basically just the hunter pistol, but scales with skill. A little I saw better. mention of that one, but I. I... I don't think I ever found it. Where is the Evelyn? Uh, that's a good question because I got it uh, on my first playthrough, so I can't quite. Remember I think, it's think it might Kane be Hurst. DLC. Oh, it's from oh. Kanehurst. Okay, is it Kanehurst? Kanehurst. Is it from yeah. Martyr, the boss of Kanehurst, or is it hidden before then? It's in a. Chest I think you have to discover yeah. it. Okay, all right. I, yeah, I explored. Yeah. Um, I explored Kanehurst quite a bit, uh, and got to the boss. And struggled a little bit, and I decided, you know what? I I uh, I just got enough blood ch- blood chunks to unlock to um, uh, to level up my LHB from plus eight to plus nine. So I'll I'll just get out of here and try to beat the game. <laughs> I, I think it was I think I was like in the that was around the same time of the game where I was dying a lot in the upper cathedral ward. Uh, it's a it, it unlocks if you get him. Like you you get basically a staircase up to um some major. I won't even I won't really spoil it, but a, a major character involved in Kanehurst. And uh, the Alfred uh, side quest line goes some like wild places because oh, of it. Yeah, so no, it's I, definitely I, I did, worth checking out. <laughs> I didn't meet Alfred, and I know he wanted to get to Kanehurst. That was the first oh, yeah. time I heard the mention of Kanehurst. Oh, he wants to get there. He sure right. does. <laughs> it is crazy, man. Oh, I think man, that is actually that'll... probably the part because he seems so nice. That is the yeah. part that I think disturbed me the most in the whole. Oh game. no. <laughs> He oh, was one. He was one of the nice guys. He's though. not not nice because of it. I don't know. It's it's complicated. I mean, I mean, he he's a hunter. He he definitely murders a lot. But I'm not going to hold that against him because look look what I've been doing the whole game. It's not just that he murders. It's the way yeah, he murders. It's the way oh, he murders. Oh no! I'm, I'm and the not, glee I'm not sure with which wanna, he murders. I'm not sure if I want to check a YouTube video after this or not. But I uh, I, I I do fully intend to do the Eileen quest and Alfred quest properly. On a uh, so on a uh, theoretical replay of this game, I think that those those are probably the, I think the two most rewarding side quests uh, in terms of just I agree storytelling and um, what you get out of it and uh, sort of the ways they they loop back on themselves. I think they're both the, the two most interesting ones. Um, so they're definitely worth doing. Oh man, I'm 
Are you gonna Are you gonna make me go back to this game after I was so relieved to finish it? <laughs> hey man, you do you. <laughs> I mean, you got to do that DLC. I don't know. I, I was I was struggling at this so so uh, so many times. I think it, going back would be. It is uh, Souls games are a little stressful, but the the uh, the reward is there um, at the end of all that stress, which is part of why I, I genuinely love Demon Souls. And th- and I'm not sure I like Bloodborne as much as Demon Souls. It might be the way I I, w- I had to play it um, under some duress, but I think it's better than Demon Souls. Like y- you understand that feeling. It's like you know I think I like A more, but B is better than A. Like that's that is my feeling right now on Bloodborne. Yeah, I mean um, if you're having to rush it for sure. I mean yeah, like, it, having just played Demon Souls, and maybe it's because. Bloodborne was my first Soulsborne, but like to me, like Bloodborne is many tiers above um, Demon Souls. I mean, I like Demon Souls, but it just feels like a prototype for everything else that goes after it. And Bloodborne was either between Dark Souls one and two, or between Dark Souls two and three. So they they had at least three other Soul uh, mm-hmm. Souls games um, under their belt by the time they did Bloodborne. And I'm from software. They do they do very interesting strategies. They uh they never fully develop a game in house or publish fully a game in-house, but they will partner with studios for extra manpower and extra marketing money. So um, uh, Demon Souls and Bloodborne were both Sony partnerships. And um, the Dark Souls games, I think, were Namco partnerships. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, and I think, uh, didn't they work with with Activision for one game? Uh, Sekiro. For Sekiro, yeah. yeah for yeah. Sekiro, that was it, yeah. So it, it's very interesting how there are these, they're this boutique studio that makes these amazing games for a clearly hardcore audience, but they, that that hardcore audience has been um, has been uh, uh, you know dedicated enough, and um, the games are good enough that uh, I, I would call Elden Ring a extremely mainstream game, even though it is a hardcore, challenging, high dark fantasy game. But uh, but it's sort of weird. But from software, I, I don't think they're like a a Capcom or a Nintendo that has thousands and thousands of employees. I think that they have a they're a medium-sized studio that's always partnering with other studios but because of their reputation and their games like the other studios are eager to uh to say yes to those partnerships which is i don't know it's very fascinating to me they're um they're uh i don't they're they're like uh they're like the best game developer mercenary (laughs) out there but uh um but hidetaka miyazaki's games have been so great that I, 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 you know, you know, I, I've, I've mentioned multiple times. I'm really excited to try Bloodborne again. Again, I think I'm even more excited to get to my next Souls game because, like you, Zach, uh, I, I, I mean, I mean, I, I played one of them and I want to play all of them and I have access to all of them. So don't be shocked if I'm uh, trying to push a Dark Souls one or an Elden Ring episode of Retro Encounter sometime in 2024. Don't like. I, I know you guys can all see the ideas board. And uh, but don't be shocked if I'm sort of nudging those to the top of the list because um, I want to play more souls and because a lot of my game playing is uh, is driven by what I'm podcasting about I might try to have those uh, you know um, one of those games hit the center of that Venn diagram. Uh, would you guys be down for a Dark Souls or Elden Ring episode? Hell yeah! I mean, I'd definitely uh, be down for Elden yeah. Ring. I'm not so sure about Dark Souls just because I just played it, but <laughs> it depends on how long it is until the next one. Um, but yeah, Elden Ring uh, for sure. Uh, if I don't get to it first, we should. Uh, <laughs> if if we wait until the Elden Ring uh, expansion comes out, then that's that right. would be a great timing for. Yeah, that's I coming. Uh, yeah, we know it's coming in 2024. Do we have a date on that? I don't believe so. Yeah, not you know, that I'm aware of. Um, we are recording this before the the game awards, and actually, this will definitely publish before the game awards as well. I, maybe that they would get a trailer at that because 
That's I mean, the audience of that is exactly the audience. That seems that be, likely that would be excited really. about more Elden Ring. Yeah, although naturally the Game Awards news I'm most excited about is uh, more DLC for Street Fighter Six, the, <laughs> the the Dark Souls of fighting games. Can, yeah, but... can we can we pause for a second and talk about some things I didn't love about Bloodborne? Oh sure. Um, <laughs> yes. That, that's oh, I, I I have I have one thing at the top of the list, and I think you know what it is. <laughs> the Upper Cathedral Ward. <laughs> uh, no, the Mikolash boss fight. Oh yeah. It's yeah. It, I, I beat him on the first attempt, but it's stupid. <laughs> it's it, it's cha- it's chasing a a a noisy jerk around a labyrinth for if you're lucky, fifteen minutes. If you're unlucky, eternity. You know the thing I do actually kind of like about that fight, um, and I, I I'll I'll talk about my experience with it in a second. Is like you actually get some lore from it, and especially if you because you I heard it six fifteen times on New Game Plus. Like, what do you mean by vacuous? Like, Rom doesn't seem vacuous to me. <laughs> like, I just feel like it's like it's on like a replay in my head, um, almost to where it's been memed. But yeah, Mikolash was frustrating. Um, the first time through, I think I got it in the first try, but on New Game Plus, which I thought New Game Plus while harder in some ways was mostly easier for me except for that fight because he freaking one shots you the minute he went like he called Bonzi, you're dead um i had 50 vitality and i died i was like okay let's try some arcane resist yeah. nope it, i died oh really um yeah. and uh infuriating I, I use the hunter armor most of the game which has low arcane resist uh it's actually average or above average in basically everything except for arcane resist um, so his arcane bomb thing did deal a lot of damage to me, but I was always able to retreat and heal. Yeah. And, I, and I, I did kill him first try. But uh, so, some of the retuning in New Game Plus, I think, is occasionally a little odd. Um, like some bosses yeah, I thought were like absurdly can. easy, but that one I was like, what is this? I thought the key to beating him. Same with Ludwig. I thought the key to beating him would be stacking arcane resist if that if his uh, if that move deals a lot of damage. But it, it still one shots you. It helped. Oh, okay. It unfortunately yeah, did not help uh... me because I, I don't know. My 50 vitality wasn't enough. I think like you don't have to because I think that you could get hit by like all of it or some of it. And for some reason, like I was just getting hit by all of it. And he had like a lot more HP. Um, And so um, if you would run away from me, I know like the goal was to like stay in his face and stun lock him, but I just couldn't do it. I don't know. I freaking hated that fight, but I did not hate it as much as the sharks, the bottom of the well in the DLC. How many of you guys have done? Actually, I know you at least have done it, Alex, because you have the weapon you get from it. (laughs) Yeah, I I did not uh, go back. Oh, my God. My new game plus run. I, uh. Yeah, screw yeah. That. there are oh, that, there, there are two sharks it? in the bottom of a well in DLC, and the way you get Maria's weapon is by killing them. And oh, they oh, are the, ro- ex- the Rakugo. Yeah, you yeah. mentioned it a couple of times. It's ex- they're extremely aggressive. There are two of them, um, and the only way I think you can probably beat them is to cheese them. Honestly, I don't think it's even possible to beat them otherwise. I cheese. Yeah, them, I had yeah. to. Oh, so how, do you, the, uh, how do you cheese them? Because yeah. I've never uh, there it. is Bloodborne's version of the double Rajong on the in the old PSP Monster Hunter games. You can use a, an item that causes one to attack the other. Um, so basically, like, one will get in there. When you get it to half health, the other one will drop down. And basically, like, as soon as the other one drops down, whatever that bone is called, if you walk up to the, the, the shark that is at half health, you hit him with it, which you still have to be careful with. It still took me, like, 15 tries. <laughs> um, you hit him with it, he will attack the other shark, and the other shark has basically no health left by the time they're finished with each other. That is the only way I was able to do it. Dang. Wait, is this like a consumable? Like, so you can run out of yeah, the yeah. weapon? Oh, I can't no. remember what it's called, but yeah, it's a. Uh, you could also cheese it with like a, a bow and arrow, I think, but um, or something. But I can't remember. It's something bone that you throw at them. Anyway, it was crazy. I don't remember what it was called, but yeah, there there is an item. I'll look it up when we're uh, done uh, recording, Geo, and let you know. Oh, thank you. 
because uh that's that is secretly <laughs> the hardest fight in the game <laughs> yeah actually yeah i hear i hear like the you know, orphan of causes like nothing compared to those two sharks i've heard about them before and yeah, I've, scary. I've heard okay i i i, I of course took me maybe six or seven tries those took me at least 25 <laughs> um, i definitely died to orphan most on my first playthrough but uh beat him on my first try with with zero uh vials left on my beautiful. new game plus so that was <laughs> that had that had to have been like a, a fist pump moment <laughs> yeah it, it was my my highest uh high of, of this playthrough for sure <laughs> I'm aware of Orphan of Cost because it shows up at the top of many lists of the hardest Bloodborne boss. I know it's the final boss of the DLC, but I guess it's no encounter with two sharks in a well. It's um, actually true. <laughs> at least it was for me. And Orphan's are at least fun exactly. to fight. Exactly. The sharks the are sharks. infuriating. Yeah, I, 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 again, I, I don't know about the sharks, but uh, my my uh, impression on the DLC bosses is that they're harder, but uh, but better than a lot of the fights in base oh, game Bloodborne. Yeah, but but yeah, yeah. I, again, I mean th th that's what a Souls game is, isn't it? Just um, uh, a lot of hidden lore and hidden depth and hidden content in a game that's that's big and challenging, but super super rewarding, and um, and that's why they've become so popular in the um, throughout the 2010s. Uh, and again, again, maybe culminating in uh, in Elden Ring, like achieving true blockbuster status as a video game, which um, which in well, well previous Soulsborne games um, had like I, I would say had tremendous reputations, but were not blockbusters in the way that uh, or, or mainstream in the way that Elden Ring was. But that, that uh, but it's it's such a good formula. And I, I mean, have, have they have they released a single dud since Demon Souls? Some people say Dark Souls two, but I I really disagree. I, disagree I think too. that game is uh, has yeah, a lot. Most going people, on. That's really my my view of Dark Souls two is that it's unforgiving, and a lot of the ideas from Dark Souls two maybe didn't have the best execution, but then showed up in either Dark Souls three or Elden Ring, as, and and were sort of better versions of themselves. Is that is that is that fair? Yeah, there's actually quite a bit of Dark Souls two in right. Elden Ring. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, mm. I think like one of Miyazaki's co-directors worked on both uh, Dark Souls 2 and Elden Ring. So some some fan chatter I've se I've seen online attributes the Dark Souls 2 stuff in Elden Ring to him. But I, I don't I, I don't even have his name in front of me. I'm sorry. Uh but 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 yeah, but, but I I think Miyazaki was not the project lead on Dark Souls 2, but but No. It was like a beat. Yeah, but but then cuz he was working on Bloodborne right, at the yeah, same time. Right. Yeah, cuz again those those games came out about a year apart from each other. But then but then that that the director of that B team also worked on Elden Ring. So people sort of that that's the I think the thread that uh that people have drawn between those. I don't I don't know how true it is necessarily, but that, that's at least interesting. Um not that that I believe it. That makes a lot of sense actually. Uh, again, I, I haven't played Dark Souls 2 or Elden Ring, so this is entirely speculation on my part, but I I I am proud of myself. I did manage to roll credits on on Bloodborne. Um, before doing this because again i was very worried i would uh, uh fail the listeners in the podcast again by um by not finishing this one in time but i did um we mentioned this earlier there the game does have three endings uh in, uh, maybe more with dlc but the base ending is um when you confront garamon in the the open beautiful field in the hunter's dream he says i'll kill you right now and you'll wake up and never have to deal with this anymore if you say yes then he then he in that dramatic very uh in that dramatic zoom out um, he pulls out his scythe and kills you, and you wake up and see the sunrise, and that's uh, that's ending one. And ending two is saying, "I refuse to let you kill me and wake up." And uh, then you fight Germán and get ending two. And I'll I'll ask you how ending two goes in a moment. And then ending three is 
eating or using three of the umbilical cord items, which of which there are four in the game, and I managed to get all four somehow. Uh, 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 but uh, is using at least three of them, um, which gives you a lot of insight and and uh, and will connect you to the old ones a little bit because I think those umbilical cord items are failed either failed birthings or the remnants of birthings of new old ones. Uh, you get one from Ariana, one in the abandoned workshop where I, I assumed it was Germán's wife that had one, one in Yosefka's clinic because Yosefka's trying to create an old one through experimentation. Uh, and the last one is um, from Murgo's wet nurse, the, uh, the, the second to last boss of the game, or at, at least from my perspective, the second to last, uh, because again, she's protecting an infant that might be an old one or might be part of an old one. Is Murgo a full old one or is murgo just a uh an, an, a sincere attempt i believe a full old one. Oh, oh no yeah, oh, yeah. We, we really did kill a baby um but but i mean we see what these old ones are doing i'm not sure we, i'm not sure we want them in our dimension anymore uh so so using at least three of the uh umbilical quota items will have you and then refusing garamond's offer will have you fight garamond and then fight a new old one final boss after garamond that i, I think uh geo you mentioned them earlier is it is it uh the the what is it the the moon's the moon presence. presence moon presence yeah. yeah moon presence um so how do ending two and three go because I, I i i was aware of their unlocking status because i did i did a little bit of reading on how to get the different endings in, in in bloodborne but i went for the first one just because i was ready for, i was ready to go to literally go to sleep uh so i chose the sleep option um uh, how do ending two and three go so they they kind of go a bit similarly at least at first uh you you fight Garamon uh, regardless uh and after you kill him the the moon presence shows up and if you didn't um consume the umbilical umbilical cords then it um embraces you essentially and i from what i understand like it's implied that it um like basically imparts its will on you the same way it in, imparted its will on Garamon and then that you basically become the yes. new Garamon, the new watcher of the the hunter's dream, and uh, the mm -hmm. new like guide for for hunters to make this thing continue. Because that seems to be what the the moon presence desires, which it seems to imply that it's different from the other old ones. Like it has a different motivation. That's weird because I thought you are, I thought you've been killing old ones, and and preventing the birth of new ones. So is the moon presence like an an, an old one that is uh, against the other old ones? That's my reading on it. I, I don't know if anyone yeah. has, has it's, more nuance. It's, it's unclear there. and ambiguous. Um, some argue that the moon presence only wants to have its own baby. So you're trying to have you eliminate the other old ones. It's, okay. <clears throat> it's ambiguous. Um, but but, the, but the, the, um, the moon presence is the one that created the hunter's dream that allows hunters to keep dying and reviving to fight old ones and, and fight the... Yeah, the, the the you know the everything going on the horrors of Yarnum as it were. Yeah, and and some people yeah, argue keep, that they're the actually the ones going. who give the animation to the doll itself as well. Um, it, it's uh, there's it, 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 a lot of ambiguity, but I think at the end of the day, like you basically just become like the new Germán is and what we I, know for sure. You know, this is maybe this is just a storytelling trope, but I've played so many video games the last five or six years where the goal is to break a cycle of suffering. <laughs> Whether it's your near automatas or your uh, yeah. uh, tales of arises, or um, uh, forgive me if this is incorrect, Zach, or uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Three is like that a little bit. Totally. Um, yeah, yeah. Tr trying to break a cycle of suffering is 
a recurring video game and storytelling thing that, you know, but you know what? I'm not sick of it. Give me more cycles to break, even if they are just bicycles in the Yakuza game. <laughs> I, I think it's like a, a Miyazaki thing in general, but like the thing I like is that you never win. <laughs> not really in any of these no, the, games. These, ga- these games are suffering. They're like <laughs> every single one that I'm aware of is you are um, going through a broken world or a, uh, or a ruined world or a world just full of death and darkness. Um, and and the outcomes are rarely, if ever, positive. I'm, I'm not. I mean, is there ever a real a, a happy ending in one of these? Because it's not. It's not true. I, the happiest one I can think of is literally the one that you got in this game. <laughs> Honestly, uh, Sekiro is very similar as well. Yeah. So the third ending, um, it, it's not the the happy one. At least I, it didn't feel like it to me. No. <laughs> um, so it's basically proceeds similarly to the second one. Moon Present shows up after Germon embraces you, but this time because you consumed the umbilical cords, you you manage to push it away and not be entranced by its will. So then you have to fight it, um, and then basically after the fight, um, the doll shows up and um, you're just like this little squid thing. Uh, squirming around on the ground um, oh, and she oh, you, picks you up oh you turned into an old one yeah so you you become like uh, a new old one and then like the i think the trophy description for that is like called like ascension like that that you managed to like become the next evolution of of humanity even though you're just like this disturbing uh writhing squid thing <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of squid and te- squid imagery and tentacles in in this game but it's not i mean you're not ordering calamari at a restaurant <laughs> Oh God! You're gonna make me. Uh, you you've ruined calamari for me. <laughs> I I literally have a reservation to take my girlfriend for a, to a Japanese restaurant in a couple of days. So uh, maybe it's time to end the episode if I'm talking about my favorite uh my favorite restaurant appetizers. Um, but uh, uh, Zach, Alex, Geo, thank you so much for guiding me through my uh um first run of Bloodborne almost as well as the Plain Doll did. Uh, does this, does every Soul game have a like a serene woman that guides you through the game in a safe place, or is it just made mm, in black yes. and plain doll? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean Sekiro does. I'm not. I'm not really sure that Dark Souls One does. I don't think so. <laughs> okay, actually, um, Sekiro kind of does. Yeah, I guess Dark Souls One would be the most of an exception. Although the the silent woman at at Firelink would be the yeah the closest thing, I suppose. Yeah. I, I always uh, think of that line that Garamon has near the beginning of the game that always makes me feel a little weird, where he's just like, you can use like everything oh God, around yes. here in the workshop, <laughs> then he's like, even the doll. Well, yeah, it's like his former student you. who he was in love with. Yeah, it's all creepy. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> oh, man. Also, while I was just doing uh, some more lore digging uh, at the end of this playthrough, um, like in one of the Vati video videos, he he points out how like the uh the lanterns uh what are they called winter lanterns uh they they wear the same garb as the the doll which implies that they might be connected somehow which is kind of interesting and weird to think about i i oh oh god okay (laughs) there is a real danger that before i play this game again i do a i watch a lot of lore videos on bloodborne because i know that every souls game has multiple series of videos trying to break down the lore but we're not going to do that for this episode we're um we were just you know uh wanted to chronicle our trials and tribulations through a single playthrough of bloodborne and also celebrate a little bit because again i cannot i cannot say this enough even if i was deliberately skipping content and um 
and and talking about my own struggle in a slightly disparaging way this is excellent this is the best game i've played for retro encounter in at least a few years um uh, i'm trying to think what was last like like uh last year my favorite retro encounter game was probably mass effect 2 uh, so i guess maybe november is just a lucky month for retro encounter um uh, I, I I loved this game and I want to replay it soon, maybe even in 2024, but I'm more likely to try more Souls games first just because they're in my backlog. And if I, if I, if I can even cross one thing off of my backlog nowadays, I'll call it a win. Um, but I also think I need to go back to something cozier. So there's probably going to be a lot of Dave the Diver in the next few weeks for me. But uh, listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this journey through Bloodborne and Souls games in general and our own meditations on difficulty and game design in general. Uh, Bloodborne's great. I strongly recommend it to anyone that has a PS4 to enjoy it. And uh, I joined the chorus of porting this to more um, consoles because this is this game's only available on PS4, which means it's also available on PS5. But uh, that, that that's a little strange because I, I think I think Bloodborne PC would do some real numbers, just you know, just because of this game's reputation and how. PC sales will make, uh, I mean, like PC availability makes game sales explode. 60 FPS. <laughs> we need 60 FPS. Yeah, board. that would, 60 FPS. Oh, is this, is this nice. locked at 30 or 45? Oh, it's at 30. 30 yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Although Miyazaki once said that he intends his games to be played at 30 FPS. I'm not sure what that means, but uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if the if the movements are a little too real, little it can be disorienting. I mean, I, I don't. I, I'm not the biggest uh, uh, like video quality obsessive, but I, I I can tell when something's at sixty versus thirty. But if I'm playing thirty, I'm mostly fine with it. It's uh, again maybe, maybe it's maybe I'm just not uh, my PC is not powerful enough to really unlock a lot of games. But uh, I'm I'm glad that I did uh, make a sincere attempt at Bloodborne and um and get an ending, even if it was the worst one. But uh, yeah, that just means more stuff to do on my second run. But um, speaking of second runs, I am uh, in my, I think, fourth or fifth playthrough of Dragon Age Oranges slash Origins. Um, uh, we're doing two episodes on those next month. I think they're coming right after these episodes uh, because we have some other stuff planned in December, which includes an episode on Lunar the Silver Star that, Zach, I think you're in the middle of planning right now. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. All right. Sorry if that uh, inadvertently puts more pressure on you to, nah, <laughs> to finish yeah. those episodes. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're, um, uh, as part of the RPG Fan 25th anniversary, we are putting up multiple reviews of Lunar the Silver Star's different um, versions and uh, doing a podcast episode um, of, of revisiting Lunar the Silver Star because we did two episodes on Lunar in, I want to say, 2018. So it's uh, it's definitely a good time to talk about more Lunar, um, and that's just coming in a few weeks. And also in December, we are doing our year-in-review in episode. We've done every, one every single year on Retro Encounter since 2015, so 2023 will not be an exception. Expect a lot of positive words from me about Octopath Traveler 2, Final Fantasy 16, and Dave the Diver, my three co-games of the year. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, and, and, but if you want to reach out to us to talk about Dragon Age Oranges or Bloodborne or Dave the Diver or Lunar or anything else, the best way to reach out is to email retro at RPGFan.com. RPGFan also has presences on Facebook, or moon presences, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Discord, YouTube, Twitch, uh, I think Threads. 
uh, not Blue Sky yet, but we're working on it. Um, there's a lot of ways to interact with RPG fans, so do so in the in the, whichever way you prefer. RPG Fan also has a, an apparel store at rpgfan.com shop where you can buy RPG Fan uh, apparel, coffee mugs, phone cases, a whole bunch of other things emblazoned with the RPG Fan Emerald Chill Shield with a couple limited edition 25th anniversary uh, shirts and other items. I, I did um, get a 25th anniversary t-shirt. It arrived a, a week or two ago at my place. It looks great. You should get one. Um, that's you, the panelists, and also you, the listener. <laughs> but uh, um, listeners, there's also two other fine podcasts hosted by uh, RPG Fan. There's Random Encounter every two weeks about randomness and what games they're playing, and Rhythm Encounter every other two weeks about RPG music. If you want to review Retro, Random, or Rhythm Encounter, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, however you listen to podcasts. Please uh, give us feedback at your own leisure, especially if it's five out of five stars. Um, but if you want to leave us five out of star five star reviews as people and not as a podcast panelist, how can you reach us individually? Let's share it with them, starting with you, Gio. Yeah, you can find me on Discord. I'm I go by Gio on Discord, and you can also email me at Gio at rpgfan.com. Oh, also, and I can vouch for the shirts, the 25th anniversary shirts. They're really nifty. I have one. Really total good. agreement. Uh, now, Alex, how can listeners find you? You can just email me at alexfranicek at gmail.com. Now, Zach. Uh, you can email me, zachw at rpgfan.com, or you can find me on our Discord as zachw. And listeners, you can find me probably most easily on Twitter. I'm at the Real Monsoon, uh, And on uh, on Blue Sky, I am evokerfordogs.bsky.social. And I'm also... Uh, evoker for dogs on instagram and monsoon mike on discord i have too many names i need to eliminate at least one of those four and i'm leaning twitter um but listeners if you want to eliminate twitter or some hunters or some old ones thank you good night good luck and may you find your worth in the waking world (laughs) 